Okay, boys and girls, here we go. Episode 194 with the lovely James Swanwick is about to begin, and this episode is pretty cool because James has an interesting story of getting onto my podcast. His assistant reached out to me as she thought that my audience would benefit about the information about blue light and James is a person who started a glasses company that blocks out all blue light and his story started all the way from Australia flew out to America and somehow landed a job as an ESPN sportscaster believe it or not and now today he's in the so-called health and fitness industry, helping people sleep better and quit drinking. So without further ado, here's James and a little bit of his story and what he does best. Here we go. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your lovely host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me for the first time is James Swanwick. Say hello. How you doing? Great to see you here. Thanks for having me. Uh, No problem. So to start off the show, I always like to throw some easy questions just to get the juices flowing. And the first one is, what do you got planned for the weekend? Uh, I think I'm going to go and do a landmark forum uh, self-development program on authentic communication. Or, Or if I don't do that, I'll get on a plane and fly to Brisbane, Australia for the remainder of the year. Wow. Awesome. Do you travel quite a bit? I travel a lot, yeah. I, uh, I've been very nomadic for most of my life. I've been a- away from my native country of Australia for 20 years. I lived in London. I lived in New York, Los Angeles, Bogota, and Medellin, Colombia, Buenos Aires, Argentina, and now I'm in Venice Beach in Los Angeles. Wow, awesome. What's your favorite city so far? <laughs> well, I think... Um, a Medellin, Colombia is pretty special. It's like the city of eternal spring. They, it's beautiful. People are fun and funny. Um, but I, I tell you, I, I really enjoy living in Venice. Uh, I've only started living in Venice in 2018, and I just love the fact that I can ride my bicycle everywhere. I'm four or five blocks from the beach, a couple blocks from Abbot Kinney, which is a, which GQ magazine voted Australia's coolest street. It's like a very kind of positive health conscious community around here. And all the studies show that that's, you know, the way to measure someone's happiness or contentment levels is, is their sense of community. And so I feel there's a really great community of fit, healthy, positive people here in Venice. Awesome. Uh, so the next one is what is the current book you're reading or listening to? Yeah, I'm reading um, a book called Unstoppable by Craig Ballantyne, nice. How to Get Through Hell, Overcome Anxiety, and Dominate in Business and Life. Bam, that's a good book. It's on my list to read as well. <laughs> um, and for those who've never been to Australia, what's the thing to do? Well, I would go to... Uh, it depends how long you've got, but I would just say just stick to the East Coast. Like if you're going to go for two weeks, just stay on the East Coast, start in Melbourne and work your way up. So you might fly into Melbourne, which is down the bottom, the southeast corner, and then move up to Sydney and then move up to uh, Brisbane and the, the beach areas around there, the Gold Coast, Noosa. And maybe you could go all the way up to the Great Barrier Reef up in Cairns as well. 
and then fly out from there. If you were going to be there for at least a month, then I'd encourage you to do the East Coast plus maybe go inland and go walk about in the outback. Um, Yeah. Sweet. Um, So let's get into a little intro of who you are and what you do, because most of the time I interview a bunch of different coaches and you're a little bit unique, so it would be awesome to get a the cliff note version of what you do. Yeah, well, I mean, what I do now, I guess, is I help people sleep better and I help social drinkers quit or reduce alcohol. Um, I'm Australian-American. I grew up in Brisbane, Australia on the East Coast. Moved to London when I was 23, became a sports journalist, worked for Sky Sports, which is kind of like the British equivalent of, of Fox Sports. Mm-hmm. Fell in love with a British woman who broke my heart. And so I said, I got to get out of this country. And I got on a plane and flew over to Los Angeles, California in 2002. Lived in a hostel, a Hermosa Beach hostel, about 30 minutes south of Los Angeles for about the first three months. And then figured out how to get a work visa and stay in the com- in the country. And then I became a celebrity journalist where I interviewed movie stars like Jack Nicholson, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Cruise, Angelina Jolie, Jennifer Aniston. I did that for a number of years, and then 2008, I started a PR company, but I very quickly lost it because the financial crisis came, and then I moved to Buenos Aires for six months to go and lick my wounds and learn some Spanish and dance some tango. I came back to Los Angeles 2010, and I quit drinking. I, I was just a social drinker, but I realized it was holding me back, so I quit drinking, um, and I haven't touched a drop of alcohol since. And because I had that clarity and focus, I was able to land my dream job um, hosting a television show. I ended up hosting Sports Center on ESPN for two years, which was pretty pretty fun. And uh, and then in recent years, I've become very entrepreneurial, and I've, I've created this sleep company called Swanwick Sleep. We have these blue light blocking glasses, which we produce and sell, which help people sleep better. And then I'm the creator of the 30 day no alcohol challenge, which helps people quit drinking for 30 days. And then uh, another program called Project 90, which specifically helps entrepreneurs quit alcohol for at least 90 days. So, yeah, that's kind of they're, they're the cliff notes, I guess. Awesome. So I'm going to try to unravel all of that because this is like freaking awesome. Um, so journalism, how did you get into that? start with because like not a lot of people like have that revelation like oh this is what I'm meant to do so how did you get into it yeah well I was I was going to high school in Brisbane Australia I guess I was 16 17 years old and I, I grew up playing rugby and my rugby coach was a reporter at a newspaper called the Courier Mail in Brisbane Australia and so I just said to my rugby coach, I said, can I come in and do some work experience? And he said, I'll try and and sort it out for you. So when I graduated high school, they have this thing called schoolies week where everyone who graduates goes and gets drunk and parties on the, (laughs) on the gold coast and celebrates for a week or two. And while everyone was doing that, I went and did work experience at a newspaper. Um, So I was kind of like annoyed that I wasn't partying. But at the same time, I was kind of like, oh, I think I'll this work experience might turn into something. And then, you know, fortunately enough, a couple of weeks after I completed my work experience, they were hiring for a copy boy position, which is basically the person who gets the coffee and types in the TV times into the 
you know, that would be published in the paper the next day, just basic stuff. And I ended up getting that job. I got offered, I think it was $18,000 a year. I was 17 years old and uh, there was a recession going on in Australia at the time. So I was like thrilled and everyone was, you know, thrilled for me that I was able to land a full-time job right out of high school. Awesome. So then when you came to the States and you started interviewing celebrities, which celebrity was like your first big one to the point where you were like, super nervous not to screw up that interview well the first the very first one was jack nicholson if you can believe it it was like the very first interview i did and and it was at the armitage hotel on uh in beverly hills um and it was in the penthouse suite and he was promoting the film anger management which he starred in with adam sandler and uh yeah, I, I, I was, I'd only been in the States, I think, two weeks at that point, and I, I just cold-called all of the movie studios and said, I'm a journalist, I want to interview movie stars, how do I do it? And one of the publicists from Sony Pictures, which produced the movie Anger Management, was kind enough to explain to me how it all worked, and then a couple of weeks later she said, oh, would you like to interview Jack Nicholson? And I said, yes. And so <laughs> and then I found myself interviewing this, you know, two-time Oscar winner, you know, complete legend of the movie business in Hollywood. And, uh, yeah, just interviewed Jack Nicholson. And from there I interviewed Arnold Schwarzenegger for Terminator three and then Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston for the film along came Polly. And then later on Matt Damon for stuck on you and George Clooney for Syriana. And I just started interviewing movie stars from there. Man, that's awesome. What I'm kind of interested too is like after interviewing all these successful people, did you find like any common traits that they all possessed? Yeah, well, I think what it was is that they all felt fear, but they took action anyway. And I think also none of them or very few of them were born into privilege. You know, everyone who's who'd made it was really a hustler. You know, someone who struggled and had a dream and came out and, and just, you know, practiced their craft and struggled for a time, but then made a breakthrough and then, and then succeeded. So I think the common theme really was that everyone that I, sorry, most of the people that I met, most of the successful directors, producers, and actors, most of them really struggled in, in, in the beginning and they, but they were persistent and they felt fear and they took action anyway. It was, it's pretty inspiring. Awesome. So then when you got into ESPN, how did you land that gig? <laughs> Well, I'd quit drinking in 2010 and uh, just as a lifestyle choice. And I created this this little personal mission of mine that I was going to help 30 of my friends for 30 days. And one of the guys that, that one of the friends that I helped um, called me up a few weeks after I'd helped him and said, hey, ESPN is looking for an international anchor for Sports Center, someone with an accent, someone who's international, not, not an American. And I thought you'd be really good, even though you have no TV experience. Would you like me to introduce you to the producer? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I was introduced to the ESPN producer. And uh, I kind of bluffed him a little bit. I I said to him, oh, so at the time I was living in Los Angeles, but ESPN is based over in Bristol, Connecticut, on the east coast of the country, two hours outside of New York. And so 
I was like, the only way I'm going to get this audition is if I fly over there. So I kind of said to the producer, said, look, I'm actually going to be in New York next week. Why don't I just pop on over and meet you and do the audition then? Truthfully, I wasn't going to be in New York. I had no plans to be there, but I wanted to just kind of make it so simple for him to say yes, you know. So he replied, he goes, oh, okay, if you're going to already be over in the East Coast, sure, come in, come on in and, you know, do a do an audition. So I said, great. So I booked a flight, went over there. I went into the iconic sports center, ESPN studios, went down to the studio, sat behind the, the desk, looked into the teleprompter. And all I had to do was really read the words on the teleprompter. But I really messed it up. I wasn't very good at it at all, to be honest. I was kind of like, hello, I'm James Swanick. Welcome to Sports Center." And I was really nervous. I just, I had a panic attack. I was just so nervous. And uh, I kind of thought I'd blown it. So I went back up to the producer's office and we had a look at the tape of me with my first audition. And he said, yeah, nah, not good. Doesn't, uh, too wooden no real energy about you. Thanks for coming over, but yeah, I don't think it's going to work out. And at that moment I had a choice. It was like, well, I can either go back to LA with my tail between my legs, or I can just see if I can fix the situation. So I chose the latter and I said, look, can I come back tomorrow and, and have another go? I'm, I'm confident I can nail it tomorrow. And I think he felt, maybe he felt sorry for me, or maybe he admired the fact that, you know, I asked, I don't know, but he said, okay, come back tomorrow. We'll go again. So I went back the next day, and this time I nailed it. I looked into the camera, and I, and I said, Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Sports Center. James Swanick here alongside Anthony Howard. Here to take you into the weekend with a smorgasbord of sports. Let's start with the NFL. And I kind of nailed it. And then he looked, and he went, Yeah, great. I love it. I'm going to put you on the air in two weeks. And then two weeks later, I literally was hosting Sports Center on ESPN. It was kind of crazy. I did that for, ended up doing that for two years. Wow, that's an amazing story. Like, it almost seems like you've had this almost like confidence for like as I don't know how old you were when you kind of first started on your journey. But where, where do you think this confidence comes from? Well, I, I don't know whether it's comfort. I mean, yeah, I guess it's confidence. I think what it is is that I'm just willing to take action versus sit there and go, what could be, or maybe I shouldn't, should I, shouldn't I? Like, I'll just, I'll just take the action. Like, I'm actually convinced that all performance is just taking action. A lot of times we get stuck in our head and we do nothing. But even if you just get up and just take an action, you just don't know what can happen. So I think also when I was a newspaper reporter, um, it was kind of ingrained in me that I had to make lots of phone calls every day. Like I had to convince people to talk to me so I could interview them. Right. Like I had to go out, I had to meet people. I had to like convince them to, to give me information, you know, and to be quoted uh, in a newspaper article. I had to do that. And so um, I think later on in life, I guess I wasn't so scared to then just pick up the phone and make a call or I wasn't so scared to kind of like push a little harder or to really persuade someone to give me an opportunity or to talk to me. I wasn't afraid to kind of like knock on the door, I guess. Um, so if, yeah, I guess you could call that confidence, or maybe it's just the ability to take action even when you kind of feel like you don't want to. Yeah, I, I think because you've been in so many different situations where you have to put yourself out there, you just get better at it and better at it, but a lot of people kind of want to 
stay content in their own little bubble and not go out into the world and experience adversity. I mean, me too, in, in some areas of my life, we all do it. I'm not so different than, than you or, or anyone else. Um, you know, I still get, I still get complacent. I mean, I'm even thinking last night, last night I was, I was having dinner with a friend and we were going to go to an event on some breathing, like a, it was a breathing event and we got talking and then it kind of was like five minutes before we were due to leave. And I kind of like phoned it in. I was like, oh, I don't really want to go anymore. Let's just hang out here a bit or go for a walk or something. And that's what we ended up doing. And then I woke up this morning going, Oh man, who knows what would have happened if I'd gone to that event. There were like probably 30 people going to be there. There was opportunity to make 30 new friends or 30 new acquaintances. Maybe I would have met a business partner or a friend or what. Like you just don't know, right? But I kind of like dialed it in. I phoned it in and, and just took the easy option versus pushing myself to go to where there's potential opportunity. So, you know, I think... I don't think I always get it right, but more often than not, I'm willing to, to, to push. And that's when I think amazing things happen. Oh, fair enough. Um, so then at what point did you realize that you wanted to start uh, Swanwick Sleep? Like, how did that whole idea come about? Yeah, so i was in palm springs california and i was at a hotel restaurant with a friend of mine named mark and he was wearing a pair of really ugly safety goggles these orange uvex safety goggles that you might wear if you were at a gun range or if you were mowing the lawn trying to protect your eyes from flying stones and shrapnel and there was a table of very attractive women adjacent to us. And I'm looking at Mark with these ridiculous glasses. And I said, Mark, you look ridiculous and you're making me look ridiculous by association. And he said, no, man, I'm trying to block the blue light. And I'm like, blue light? What are you talking about? And Mark went on to explain to me that the hotel lights above us in the restaurant were emitting an artificial blue light, just like your cell phone right now is emitting blue light, just like your computer screen emits blue light, just like your television screen emits blue light. Now, that blue light during the daytime can be okay, but at nighttime, blue light is very, very bad for us. And why is that? Because blue light at night tricks our body and brain into thinking that it's daytime which means we do not prepare for sleep adequately, which means we do not flow with melatonin sufficiently, which then ultimately ends up causing us to either have trouble falling asleep or we toss and turn in the night or we wake up feeling tired even if we've had seven or eight hours sleep. So every time you go, climb into bed and you scroll through your phone at night, you're essentially staring into a mini sun or a flashlight, which is destroying your sleep patterns. So my interest in this was piqued very much because my sleep at the time when Mark was explaining this was only like a, you know, maybe like a six, six, maybe a seven out of 10. I mean, I slept okay, but not terrific. And so I went back to my home in Los Angeles after Mark had told me this and I put on a pair of ski goggles that had a kind of amber lens to it. And I started watching the TV series Mad Men on my computer late at night. And 
while wearing these ridiculous ski goggles. If someone walked in on me, they'd be like, what the hell are you doing? But what I noticed was that I actually started to tire a lot quicker than if I was not wearing the ski goggles. And then I'd ultimately remove the goggles and then turn off the computer, roll over and go to sleep. I realized that my sleep actually was noticeably better. Now, I did this for about a month because I wanted to make sure it just wasn't a placebo effect. And then I was like, you know what? I got to make a stylish pair of blue light blocking glasses because I don't want to wear ski goggles and I don't want to wear a pair of UVEX safety goggles all the time. And so that's when I created a stylish pair of blue light blocking glasses, which are called Swannies, S-W-A-N-N-I-E-S. All of our customers have, have nicknamed them Swannies. And they're fashionable and they're stylish. So now you put the Swannies on in the last hour before you want to go to sleep. You keep them on. You can continue looking at your phone, your computer, can continue to block that light with the orange lens in these glasses. And then you remove them just before sleep. And then you roll over and you sleep much more soundly. Awesome. So how much kind of like research did you put into the actual lens? Like, cause there's a lot of other stuff out there probably that kind of does the same thing. So I'm kind of curious, you know, how much time did you put into the research on blue light and different, you know, other competitor companies out there? It's about five or six months we spent testing different lenses because we had our manufacturers, you know, we told our manufacturers what we wanted and they would send us samples. And then what we'd actually do is put the lens through a spectrometer, which is a, a machine that actually measures how much blue light it can block. And so we found, we finally, you know, after about five or six months of, of iterations, we settled on the lens, which we currently have, which blocks 99% of the artificial blue light that is responsible for messing with your sleep. Now, I say 99%. It's actually 100%, but I'm not a – lawyers say don't say 100% because you'll have someone who tries to get clever or something and goes, oh, you told a lie it was 100%, you know, because maybe it blocks 99.999997, and someone goes, oh, you said it was 100%. Trust me, it blocks 100% of the blue light that messes with your sleep, but just for legal protection, I have to tell you that it blocks up to 99% of blue light. Oh, fair enough. So like programs like on the iPhone, like the night shift mode, and I think the Android has some things similar, similar, like does that do anything or are people wasting their time? It's good. I mean, I would call it probably a three out of 10 in terms of protecting yourself from light. So it's good. I mean, you, sh you, sh you should use night shift. And on your computer, you can download an app called Flux. You should also use Flux. And both of those give you about 3 out of 10 protection. Unfortunately, neither of those settings do nothing about the blue light from your bathroom light, your kitchen light, your alarm clock light, the street lights, the speedometer lights in your car, the McDonald's golden arches as you're driving along the street. Like, think about all of the light at night that you are subjecting yourself to. All of that light is tricking your brain and body into thinking that it's daytime, which means you are disrupting your sleep. If you wear a pair of the Swannies, these blue light blocking glasses with the orange lens, and you wear them at nighttime, you can look at the golden arches, you can... Look at the street light. You can brush your teeth in the bathroom. You can read a book with the bedside lamp 
and feel protected and be protected from blue light so your body now naturally starts to prepare for sleep. The melatonin flows through your body the way that nature intended it to flow. And then ultimately you can remove the glasses just before sleep, roll over and fall asleep. Awesome. So let's talk about sleep next because that's a, an interesting topic because like in the health and fitness industry, people overlook it all the time. And I find that nowadays, like our world is just not built for our bodies anymore. And, you know, I ask my average client how many hours of sleep they get. I usually get like five or six and it's interrupted and their minds are racing like, racing like crazy. So maybe you can just kind of touch on like what happens when you start depriving your body of quality sleep. So the question is, what happens to your body when you deprive it of quality sleep? Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is your metabolism doesn't function as well. So you end up storing extra fat. So you don't end up burning as much fat as, as maybe you'd like. So if anyone is struggling with weight gain or weight loss, the moment that you compromise your sleep is the moment that you're just destroying your ability to burn fat. Okay. So the irony of the whole thing is that if you want to get lean and lose fat, you have to sleep better and sleep longer. Seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? You think, oh, I'll be up and moving about. But sleep is where you restore your body. Sleep is where your metabolism works efficiently. Uh, if you do not sleep well, your clarity is compromised, your focus, your energy levels. And when your clarity, focus, and energy levels are compromised, what do you do? Well, you end up searching for a sugary substance to give you a temporary boost of energy. So you might drink a can of Red Bull or you might have coffee with some sugar or cream or you might have a bagel or you might have some kind of energy boosting food with sugar in it to give you a temporary boost, right? Temporary energy boost. But of course, we know what happens. 30 minutes later, you crash. And then also you've just stored all of those carbs and all of that sugar in your body, which makes you put on more weight. And if you don't have clarity and focus, then you can be irritable. Maybe you're irritable with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband, wife, or your kids or your colleagues or your boss or the person in the supermarket line or the person who cut you off in traffic. Because you haven't slept well, you're irritable. Because you're irritable, you're acting like an irritable person acts, and then you go through life unhappy. And when you're unhappy, you start to seek comfort in crappy food, in alcohol, in porn, video games, in TV series, slouching on the couch. It's just this perpetual cycle, and you're just exhausted at the end of the day. It's like, ugh just so tired, you don't have any energy to go out and do stuff that you want to do and live the life that you want to live. Plus, poor sleep has been linked to cancer, diabetes, obesity. Like sleep is so important. It's where the body repairs itself and restores. And if you don't do that, you are setting yourself up for, for many, many health problems now and in the future. Do you think there's some like outliers out there that can work on like minimal sleep? Because I always think of someone like Gary Vaynerchuk where he always says like he gets maybe seven hours of sleep a night and then he's just like, go, go, go for 18 hours. 
I mean, sure, there are some out, outliers. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know about, I don't know how healthy or unhealthy Gary Vaynerchuk is. Um, I would guess, knowing his lifestyle, that him traveling on planes all the time, different time zones, working as much as he does, I don't think that's a good, that's a healthy way to live. I mean, it's, it's not the healthiest way to live at, at the, you know, for sure. It doesn't look healthy to me. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know his practices. He might be eating really well and drinking lots of water and exercising. He might be wearing Swanee's blue light blocking glasses for all I know. But, um, you know, the, our president, President Trump, I think only sleeps four or five hours a night. I mean, he doesn't look that healthy, but, you know, he's functioning. So, you know, I, but then you look at someone like Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon. He's the richest man in the world. And he always makes sure that, that he prioritizes his sleep. He he sleeps at least seven hours a night. He has the same go to bed and same get up time. Um, you know, he blocks blue light. Uh, same with uh, Tim Cook, who's the CEO of Apple. He puts a very high priority on his sleep. So, look, there will always be outliers. There will always be people who can say, oh, I'm so good. I only sleep three or four hours a night and I function. Okay, great. I mean, we don't know how that's going to catch up with them later on in life, if at all. But it's possible. Is there like an optimal time length for sleep or does it differ person to person? It differs, but you know, generally seven, around seven hours, at least seven hours is, is what people say is, is you know, the standard. Seven to eight hours generally is a great amount of time. Having said that, the quality of your sleep is actually more important than the duration of your sleep. Um, and naps are really good. Like having a little nap in the afternoon has been shown to be really effective as well for, for clarity, focus, and health. So seven, eight hours, but really ensuring that you get a deep quality sleep can be more, more important. But I'm happy you brought up naps because it's like in the athletic world, a lot of high-end athletes, that's like that's what they need because if they're training, you know, anywhere upwards above 10 hours a week, like your body needs to recover. So taking like that 15 to 20 minute nap every day can actually make a huge difference. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's huge. A friend of mine, Ben Greenfield from Ben Greenfield Fitness, he mm -hmm. told me that uh, the naps have been shown to be super healthy for you. And he makes sure that he has an afternoon nap every day. I mean, I try to do the nap. I find it hard to sleep from a nap, but even just the, the practice of lying down and closing your eyes for 20 minutes or 30 minutes can be enough to shut down the chatter in your mind and restore your body. Oh, for me, like if I hit my head on a pillow in midday for a nap, I'm out like a light. And then when I wake up, I'm so pumped to get stuff done. Mm. <laughs> um, Love it. Yeah. So the next thing I wanted to talk about too is alcohol. And like, I'm kind of curious about your 30 day or just your whole process of eliminating alcohol. Whereas like those AA groups, like how do you differ from that AA program? Yeah. So I created a program called 30 day, no alcohol challenge. You can see it at 30 day, no alcohol challenge.com. And what I do is I provide a program or a service to just have you quit alcohol for 30 days. 
right? Just to re-explore your relationship with alcohol, to get a glimpse of what it feels like to be alcohol free. And, and like I said earlier, then I created this program called Project 90, which is specifically aimed for entrepreneurs. I'm an entrepreneur, so I can speak an entrepreneur's language. And what I realized that my drinking was costing me hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost revenue. So if you are an entrepreneur and you're listening to this and you even only have one drink a night, seven nights a week, you're still leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table because when you drink alcohol, mostly at night, your sleep is compromised. And when your sleep is compromised, you're not as, you don't have as much clarity or focus or productivity or energy the next day. And when you don't have that, you don't do the deal or you don't start this arm of the business or you don't have the clarity to be strategic in the business. So you are literally leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table even just having a seemingly innocent glass of wine. To answer your question about how I differ, well, Alcoholics Anonymous, first of all, I was never an alcoholic. I was just a social drinker who realized that my drinking had become a bit of a problem. I'd put on weight, I was tired, I wasn't sleeping well, I was irritable, and I realized that drinking was holding me back. In Alcoholics Anonymous, you have to say, hi, my name's John, and I'm an alcoholic. It's all doom and gloom. You're kind of like you're having to surrender to a higher power. And for many people in the world, it's fantastic. Like, it's a great service. It's changed people's lives. But I don't understand it because I was not an alcoholic, and I'm not an alcoholic. I was just a societally or societal drinker, I guess, who just knew he was drinking just too much. And so what I do in my programs is I make it fun to quit alcohol. I create a very easy blueprint on how you can socialize without alcohol, how you can avoid having those drinks at the end of the night to try and relieve you of your stress. And I do it in a fun, manageable way where people are psyched to do it. They want to do it. It's not like, oh, I have to quit alcohol. It's yes, I get to quit alcohol. Yes, I get to be healthy and to sleep beautifully and to have clear skin and to be more productive and have clarity and focus. So that's pretty much the, the main difference. Yeah, and like with the handful of CEOs and business, business owners that I train, they all kind of have a bad habit of drinking a couple beers or a couple glasses of wine every night just to deal with the stress. So a lot of times it's like they just need to reduce the amount of stress in their life and then you don't really have to turn to alcohol just to you know combat that. Yeah, you don't need alcohol to relieve you of your stress. You just feel the need to be relieved of your stress. And you can do that a hundred different ways that do not include alcohol. Yeah. The other thing is, is that alcohol does not really relieve you of your stress. It actually, all it, all it really does is relieve you of your alcohol withdrawal. So it's not relieving you of stress and anxiety. It's just relieving you of alcohol withdrawal. And you think that this is pleasure, but really it's just relief from your withdrawal. It's a temporary, illusionary pleasure. Alcohol is a temporary, illusionary pleasure. And you think that you're drinking it for fun. And you think that it makes you feel good or it relieves you of your stress or calms you down. 
But what it's actually doing is destroying your sleep, speeding up the aging process, giving you more wrinkles around your eyes, making you tired, lethargic, increasing the likelihood of you eating sugary or carb-laden foods, making you wake up going, ugh, wish I didn't have that drink or two last night, making you reach for foods or stimulants just to get you up and about because you've got that icky feeling from the drinks the night before. It's sapping you of your clarity and your focus, destroying your energy levels. And then by the end of the day, you're like, oh, let's go and do it again. <laughs> you feel so crap. You feel so stressed. You're like, oh, I just need a drink. Just give me a drink. So then you have this temporary, illusionary pleasure again, and you get stuck in the vicious cycle. Yeah, and like I can't remember how many years ago I read this research study, but they wanted to see the effects of alcohol during protein synthesis. And they found that at a certain amount of alcohol, based on the individuals they were using, it actually slowed down or even stopped the process of protein synthesis. And in my head, I'm like, holy shit, that makes a lot of sense because a lot of you know clients that I've trained that just drink a lot, they have a really hard time losing weight. And like in one guy in particular, like he would drink almost every night of the week and he would always complain that he's not losing weight. And I'm like, dude, drinking, that's number one. We've got to change that. Well, alcohol is, is you, you may as well be drinking straight sugar. Yeah. I mean, if you're drinking beer, you're just drinking carbs. I mean, just, you know, every beer you have, you're just drinking massive amounts of carbs. It's kind of like one beer equals like one donut. Mm-hmm. If you're drinking wine, wine turns into sugar. So you love wine. You, you love that red glass of wine, the white glass of wine. Okay, cool. Drink it. But just know you're pouring sugar down your throat. I mean, I don't actually, I don't see any redeeming quality about alcohol whatsoever. And you're talking to an Australian alpha male kind of guy who grew up in a culture where we drink beers and watch the footy over beers and have backyard barbecues drinking beers. And, you know, when I quit, people were like, what the hell, you pussy, an Australian who doesn't drink? Are you kidding me? I was like, yeah, yeah, an Australian who doesn't fucking drink. Amazing. And I'm all right. And I think I'm, a bit, I'm actually better than all right. Since I quit, I hosted Sports Center on ESPN, started businesses, traveled the world, have energy focus. I've got the body of my dreams. Energy. I mean, I, just, I don't understand. People are like, oh, drinking. Oh, it's so, I need drinking to fit in. Everyone does it. <laughs> All right. Keep doing it then. I don't mind. So it's your life. You know, I, I've made my choice. Awesome. Um, so maybe for the second last question, if you had to leave some parting words for my audience, what would it be? Sleep better, quit alcohol. Just, do, I mean, do those two things and your whole life will transform. It's insanity. That's it. I don't really, I don't really have anything else than that. Like focus on your sleep and at, the le- at least reduce alcohol. But just give it up. It's a poison. Yeah. But society has convinced us and tricked us into believing that, it, that it's actually a fun thing. It's not fun. It's crap. 
Well, like a good example I give to clients all the time is like Chris Pratt when he was getting ready for Guardians of the Galaxy. And I remember seeing him in an interview and people asked him like what he did for his diet. And he's like, honestly, I just quit drinking and everything changed. And I was like, holy crap, here it is. Yeah, Bradley Cooper quit drinking and he seems to have done okay for himself. Yeah. I mean, if the president, Donald Trump, has never touched a drop of alcohol in his life and and can become the president... What's possible for you? Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So very last question. Where can people find you online? What projects do you have coming out? And anything else you want to plug on my show you can right now? Sure. I'd love to give your audience an opportunity to get a pair of the Swannies glasses. And I'm happy to give them a 15% uh, 15% off coupon code. So if anyone's interested in getting the Swannies blue light blocking glasses... You can go to swanwicksleep.com. That's S-W-A-N-W-I-C-K sleep.com. And at the checkout, you can enter the code cut shit. <laughs> cut shit. And when you do that, you'll get 15% off. Cut shit. So you go to swanwicksleep.com and that's off. Uh, and then type in cut shit at the, uh, at the checkout in the discount code. And uh, that's 15% off our entire store. Um, if you're interested in 30-day no-alcohol challenge, you can go to 30daynoalcoholchallenge.com. If you're an entrepreneur who'd like to quit drinking, you can go to jameswanwick.com slash project90. Uh, and then you follow me on Instagram, on YouTube, at James Swanwick. Awesome. So thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so that's going to wrap up episode 194. Guys, we are almost at episode 200. That is freaking crazy to think about. So hopefully you enjoyed James Swanwick's interview. And like he mentioned, you guys get a 15% discount using the code name CUTSHIT on their website when you check out. So if you're at all interested getting a pair of Swannies, as they call them, I highly recommend you use that coupon code to get a discount. And again, share, 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 share this podcast with your friends and family. And make sure you click the show notes for one to add me on Facebook so you can see the video content that I produce along with my blogs and just the direct link to get those sunglasses. And I will continue giving you the best health and fitness and random facts and random you know, ramblings of my solo episodes each and every week. Until next time, you guys.